and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus. I am your host, Ed Horn, and alongside me tonight, my producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going? Good, thanks, Ed. And the lead for the show tonight, the one who brought the main topic tonight, one Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? Not too bad, Ed. How are you doing? Pretty good. So on that main topic, we're going to be discussing addition changes and version updates to our favorite games. But as always, before we get into all of that, we're going to cover what we've been doing lately. Uh, we are recording this just after the Christmas holiday and right before New Year's. So I'm kind of curious to see how friends Christmas went, what goodies were under the tree, what Santa brought you, that kind of stuff. So, Chris, I usually start off with Sean. No, nah, I'll start off with Sean. Sean, I'll start off with you, Dave. What have you been up to lately, my friend? <laughs> I debated shifting it up today, but I'm like, ah, it feels it feels unnatural. <laughs> um, you know, just uh, kind of the regular, you know, working a lot and then um, playing a lot of Project Zomboid, which is a um, I accidentally sent an invite to Chris and he had to send back, you know, I'd have to re-download it if if I played, and I'm like, eh, you know. I did, I did re-download it, and you're like, oh, I didn't even want you to play me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't think you wanted to. You no, know. it's okay. You're, you're you were on your own own thing. So, yeah. um, but a lot of Zomboid. Um, I've played a good fair amount of Time Pilot on the arcade. Ooh, there um, you go. On different arcades, actually, because I got it on multi systems. Um, and then um, I got one game, like one. No, I got two. Two good games of Onslaught and also over the holiday. So my son and I did the starter and then we did the first like scenario or whatever you have with it and stuff. And I, I enjoyed it. It was enjoyable. Um, kind of hard to, kind of hard to get the concept of fighting against an opponent and monsters at the same time, you know, cause it's just kind of a, an interesting game, like with setup and stuff like that. You know where the it's monsters PV, are. PV, PVE. Yeah, yeah, having that mixture of PvP and PVE. Um, so he he he's won both times. I had a decent lead the first, the second game. I had a pretty decent lead, and then just things. It's a dice game, so you know it's a. Um, I rolled a few ones, which kind of screws up turns and. Monsters that should, kind of like X-Wing, you know, a ship that should have died that turn stayed alive because either they rolled out of their minds or you rolled poorly or vice versa, you know, that type of thing. So, um, but it's a fun game, and the the minis, I I like Wiz, the, what are they, are they Wiz Kids minis? Yeah, yeah. Well, Wiz, Wiz Kids. Um... Yeah, and I like the fact that they're painted and, you know, they're pretty well sculpted. Um and I had the other, the old version of this game. I'm not going to say it was the same game, um, but I got to walk over to my boards over here. And it's the dungeon, old Dungeon Command games, which is very similar to this, except that was a PvP game system. And that didn't have, like, the monster element in it. Mm. Um, very cool game. And it had, you know, the WizKids minis and everything else in it, too. Um, now I will say my son got 
think four games of Warhammer in over the holiday. Ooh. Or be, we'll just right be, since since the last time I've been on the show, the last time we've had a show, um, he's gotten a few games in, which is good. Um, I we haven't had time between the two of us to get any games in um, here, but the goal is to do that. I just don't know when we'll have the time yet to do it. Um, and then as far as Christmas goes, um, my son and I, we don't really exchange gifts. Um, I'm waiting on my, that game's 4k pinball to not arrive, but to be able to finish the purchase on it. I have the Adams family in of their 4k pinball, um, pre-ordered. So I've paid, paid, uh, the down payment on it. And then I also bought an, uh, they have an upgraded what's called sound effects it's the speaker haptic system so i have i have that um on order too so once the system releases and i get it here we'll open it up with the haptics in it and then get it up and running but i'm really excited for the 4k pinball i don't mind the high def pinball the hd pinball that was 1080p that they have yeah, I I feel I I already I I think I might be going where you're going because I've played on those HD ones and I mean they looked okay. Well, the but... ones you played on were the 720K, oh, 720P, which were the, like the Star Wars pinball, the attack from the Zen Studios. So Zen oh, yeah. Studios is doing the they're doing 15 cabinets. Um, Zen Studio is doing. Th- 13 of them, 14 of them, I believe. And then Magic, uh, it's, I think Magic Pixel's doing the 15th one. And the way it is, is they're, they're setting it up where um, they have they have what, what are going to be standard cabinets. Let me, let me look it up so I get the terminology correct. But they have, they'll have standard cabinets, yep, standard edition, and then what they're calling their collector's editions. So they have two standard cabinets that, Always will exist. These are the two that are standard so far that they've put out, um, which is the Adams Family, which is the one that I'm going to get. And then the 4K, it's Magic Pistol, Pixels, Dinosaur Dynasty. And then Zen Studios is doing um, 14 of them. Adams Family is going to be a Zen Studio one. Um, if you've ever heard of... Um, well, Pinball FX or Pinball FX3 on Steam. That's Zen Studios Pinball, you know. And you can actually hook up FX and FX3 to the At Games HD that I have downstairs right now um, through Vibs board and then through third-party stuff um, and then play those tables on it. But what they're doing is they're actually building them out now for the arcade net system for at games. And then you can buy, they have right now announced three collectors, um, pinball machines, which is a peanuts machine. So if you're into peanuts, they have a star Trek machine, which is based upon the, what the heck is it called? Um, the Kelvin, um, it's the Kelvin universe. So it's the JJ. JJ, Yeah. But this one though will come with, which is interesting to me, but it'll come with, um, it'll have the Kelvin timeline pinball machine. It'll have the discovery timeline pinball machine and it'll have a deep space nine pinball machine. Now Zen studios also is putting out a next generation. So 
potentially you'll be able to buy that machine, you know, that, not the machine itself, but the pinball table, and then download it to the machine and play it. Um, and then they have Attack from Mars, which is a Williams table. Um, so it's an Attack from Mars skin. It'll have Attack from Mars on it. And then it'll have, you know, a baseline of other tables from the Zachariah line and the Dinosaur Dynasty line. So they come, these come with 15, between 15 and like 18 tables. They're not cheap. You know, you're buying a high def system. It has a um, high def back box screen. Uh, let's go into it just a quick. So the Playfield's 32 inch 4K resolution. The back glass is a 23.8 high def screen. So you'll have like the, the, the in-game dynamics will happen on that. You know, if you shoot up a ramp and something fancy happens, it does it on that. And then it'll have an 8-inch uh, orange monochrome um, BMD screen. So that'll be like where your score is and maybe some right. funky stuff that'll show up on that. Um, let's see. Yeah, so the 8-inch and the 23... No, no, no. The 23.8 and the 32-inch playfield are all going to be 4K. And then the 8-inch will be high def. So that'll be a, a high def 1080p um, display. And then it comes with 3.5-inch audio speakers for sound, and they're really good speakers. And then you can put in a feedback uh, surround sound feedback kit, which will have a bass speaker, and then four speakers for the haptics. And then you'll have solenoid haptics in it, too, or kind of solenoid haptics in it. We're going um, crazy on making these things. Well, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, either you do it or you die. You have to innovate. Yeah, or, I guess or it's true. You know, or your company just isn't going to make it in today's day and age. And with with Zen Studios already producing pinball games, you know, and how they have their own thing. Well, it's good for Zen also to branch out because they'll get a cut of each of these you know, each of these packs that you're going to buy, like the Adams Family, if you don't get the Adams Family machine, you don't get Adams Family. You have to buy it separately. So you're spending 15 bucks to buy that table to put on your machine. But then they're also going to have what's called Pinball Net, which is what I'm going to do for all the other tables. And it's 99 bucks for a year, and then that gives you all of the, like, Zacharia tables, um, the Gottlieb tables, stuff like that, where you can download them as you want to play them on the thing. So I did two years of pinball net um, when they did the release for, you know, basically, you know, what was it? It was like 125 bucks, so almost half price. No, actually, mine was half price, sorry. On their release of this, it was half price. Now you can do it monthly for 15 bucks. Um, but that gives you 125 tables, access to 125 Good tables. Good Lord. You know, so, and I don't want all those tables on the machine. The machine also, up, you know, they updated the rock chip um, processor on it from an older version to a newer version, which means it'll be faster, it'll be better all the way through. From between the high, the high def and the 4K will be much, much more um, upgraded. And then, of course, you know, you'll you'll have uh, enough memory on it to be able to store the games and stuff. So 
Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's my Christmas present, pretty much to myself. To myself, those are always the best. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <'cause>, yeah, because <laughs> my son and I don't exchange, so this is pretty much it. You know, for me, and have you actually... seen? Um, sorry, Sean. The the meme where it's the two where he's screaming at a cat, and it's like you you can't buy games from your for yourself for Christmas. Is it? It clearly says it's from Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's that's pretty much it you know it's uh and this will pretty much for now this will this will um fill out my arcade so i was gonna say at some point in time you're hitting the cap on that right well i am at the cap but i can add because i've kind of shifted stuff around to where i put the pinball machines back on the floor one of the pinball machines the at games high def is on the floor the star wars is in the arcade base um and then this one will go on the floor in the same area as the at games high def one um but literally i have maxed out that space so now the real question is are you happy at that point you're happy with what you have (laughs) so everything from that point on becomes Literally, it has to, so here's a good example. So, if at or if uh, Arcade One Up released a three player, um, what is it? It's uh, Ivan Stewart, I, Ivan Iron Man Stewart's off road. Well, that would be tempting enough for me to purchase that, but then I have to kick something else out. And then decision time comes what's the low no, man no, on no, the no. totem pole? Yeah, that's a uh, Mortal Kombat 2 is low man, you know. That's oh, interesting. Low. Um, and then, uh, you know, if they came out with, you know, like a Robotron and a Smash TV cabinet, that would kick out uh, Street Fighter or Big Blue Street Fighter. Because I'm not a big Street Fighter guy. Or it could kick out Pac-Man. Ooh, have, sacrilege. Oh, I got it on so many freaking machines, it doesn't matter. I know, I know. Um you know, so there's there are things. You know, there is a pecking order in my arcade of replacing, but there's also a space issue. You know, it's it's a finite space, so the way I have it re- arranged right now fits everything that I have. And I could also kick out one of my two Atari Star Wars cabinets too, because I do have two of those. But you have two version of versions of those. Well, two different cabinet versions. It's the same ROMs. It's just two different. Oh, sure. So you know, if that was something that you were interested in, I could bring it with me to Chicago, <laughs> and then and parlay it as part of my uh, paying for the the space. You know, might be a bit. The only problem I have is I don't have this. Honestly, I don't have the room for it. It's the only thing that's like legitimately prevented me from doing it is I simply do not have a home for it. And once I get it, I'm going to want to make a home for it. And that's the only thing that's holding me back, to be honest with you. But again, we've talked about this before. Like, legitimately, if I did it, I would do it with, I'd want one of the ones that I could hack and I could put all the games on it so Mm -hmm. that I have one cabinet that does everything as opposed to, again, to each their own. Everyone's going to do their own thing. The way you're doing it would draw, like, I don't know how I could do it. I don't have the room for it. But I'm I'm not in the same situation that you're in. I don't (laughs) I have four right. kids in the house. Right. Yeah. You know, that's that's just the biggest thing. That's the difference between myself and anybody else is that, you know, I'm a single guy. I make decent money and, you know, I own my own house so I can do kind of whatever I want. And, yep, and there's nobody there to stop me. <laughs> that's right. 
you know, <laughs> for other people, it's, yeah, you would go the, you know, you would go the route of, you would act, definitely go the route of buying something that you could, you know, either put a pie in or something like that, you know, to make it so that it's got everything that you want. Right, exactly. You know? Now, I actually have that multiple times like literally i have an at games it's their uh, alu um, it's the legends ultimate sitting right to my left that will be to my left forever that has coin ops x and it has basically a good majority of the arcade realms that are out there now with this one you know i've upgraded it i've put good joysticks a four electric four by eight or four an eight-way gate switcher on it, so you can do four-way, eight-way games. Um, I have a, um, a name track system on it, so I can do shooter games on it. You know, so this one's pretty much kind of the 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 cabinet that I have that would do what you would want to do with it. But then that still has to go downstairs. I have Miss Pac-Man and Galaga Class of '81. Star Wars right now is out in my living room that has to go downstairs. I have my IR arcade cab, which has um, a few shooter games on it, but that company went out of business. So a secondary company built an arcade panel with it, and then he's building a single board computer to go in it specifically for that. That you can sideload all the ROMs you want into it and stuff like that, you know. So there's always ways of doing this stuff, you know. I literally just bought a four gigabyte. Uh, Solid state or four terabyte solid state drive, so I can start putting ROMs on it. Because <laughs> these build these builds are huge. I know. I was so I was looking at that. So I had two things that I was looking into. One was um, I think on Amazon I saw someone selling a t- a ten terabyte uh, about uh, build. Yep. Um, I think it was like a hundred and sixty bucks, yep. and I was like, it's totally worth it. It, just oh, yeah. for the download time, the do all of the work that they went in for the bezels, for the game systems and stuff like that, totally worked it. Yeah. Well, I have a 16 terabyte drive. Oof. Wow. Yeah. So I spent 500 bucks on a 16 terabyte drive that runs Big Box and whatever the other, I can't remember what the front end is called. Um, I don't think it's on my bar right now. Uh, but you know, so that that drive there has everything. That literally has everything. And that runs, I think, all the way up to, like, Xbox 360 or even more than that. Yep. That would, that um, would, that would, that would be what I'd be looking to do, is a, a drive like that. Either yeah. that or, I, like, the, the Raspberry Pi 5 is out now. And yeah. I've started seeing some of the stuff that it can pull down. And I'm like, do I really want to get into another Pi build? Because I love the one that I have. It does everything I want it to do. Do I really want to get into that project? I'm trying to fight myself from not doing it. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, that's the other thing is just having, like, I just, I bought off of Amazon for 50 bucks. A, basically, it's a little, looks like a game, old, you know, like a Game Boy and it has like 5,000 ROMs on it. I don't know what's on it, but I just bought it so I could throw it in my desk at work. Yeah, so I, I have one, I have one of those too. Yeah, I have a lot. I have one of those too. I think I, think I may, may, may or may not have mentioned this before. I have one of those little uh, Ambernick ones, the Ambernick 350. That's what it is. That's what it yep. is. It's the Ambernick, yeah. Yep. So I got, I got one of those. And then I have my one terabyte on my Steam Deck, you know. So I have, I have, I have a, 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 um, 
it's an arcade one-up. I can't remember what they call them, but it's a countercade at work that I've hacked and did a Batisera build on that has, you know, like a thousand games on that if I wanted to pull that out. At work, I have my mini, uh, it's the uh, At Games mini pinball. Um, so I have that at work in my office. And then I took my At Games uh, Legends mini to work. So I have like a stand-up arcade. So I have many ways to play it if I wanted to even play it at work. When I come to Chicago, I'll have multiple ways of playing stuff. I might bring my uh, countercade with me, you know, so we have stuff to do there. Mess around um, with there. Yeah, since I'm so, driving, I might bring Star Wars. I don't know, and then we could just set up and play Star Wars. Because, you know, no matter what, it's, uh, you know, we're going to be at wherever we're going to be for a good time. Four yeah. days, probably at least. at least. So you, uh, you were not on the the previous episode. You so you missed the uh, the commentary that I had because uh, Chris and I had a quick conversation about um, my Steam Deck, and what I had said to him is like, I remember whenever first of all, it's your fault that I own one. I completely blame you. Hundred hundred percent your fault. Yeah. Um, but I remember when buying it, I was going, oh, this is going to be really, really great because I'm going to be able to play modern games on the go, which is exactly something that I've always wanted. And I thought it was silly is not the right word. It was definitely not the choice I would have made to have spent the kind of money that you do on that device just to play retro games. And there's so many other ways to do it. So that was my thought process going in was, oh, I'm going to be playing more modern games. What I have found, however, is more modern games are longer. And for me, it's usually I'm in a sitting position where, like, my neck's down and it starts to bother my neck kind of thing. So I don't usually play, like, usually the Steam Deck for me is one of those things, like, it's a pickup, play for maybe an hour, 35, 45 minutes, and then set it down kind of thing. Yep. And the modern games just don't, like, work well for me on those. Like, so, for example, I was trying to play Boulder's Gate 3. And I'd get like an hour, hour and a half into the game, set it down, come back to it four or five day, days later and completely forget where I was going or what I was supposed right. to do. And what I end up doing nine times out of ten, if I'm picking up my Steam Deck, it's playing retro games. It's playing the old games. On so I ended up, while I not necessarily agreeing with your path in the beginning, end up going down that way on my own. So if I pick it up, I'm playing like old Atari games. If I get like 15, 20 minutes, I'll play old Atari games or play old NES games or like those games that are designed to be able to pick up play. And then you can kind of put down kind of thing. Those are the ones that are working well for me. on it. So right. I can do all of those things and they're there yeah, and they're installed on there. And, you know, if you want a smaller screen, that's when you do your Amber deck and, you know, Amber deck and all of those smaller device things. If you want to, you know, compact way to do the same thing. But to me, the Steam Deck was a good purchase because as an example, if we go, if we want to, you and I want to play a two-player game in Chicago, you know, on the Steam Deck, we, you play on yours, I play on mine, and we play a modern game, mm -hmm. you know, when you're traveling and stuff. So that that's kind of part of the allure for me too, is if I'm, if I'm not really wanting to sit at my computer, I can do the same thing in bed, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. So like legitimately, I a hundred percent pulled a 180 on my thought process on it and how I use it. Not by choice. Like, is it, it's just through trial and error. Like that, that is what has worked for me. Ultimately. And it's the, it's what's working best for me. Yep. So ultimately, and that's where I am. Like I have the option. There are modern games that I do play on it. 
but nine times out of ten, I'm doing Castlevania or I'm doing um, some of the older Nintendo ones or the Atari titles that I've got all of them under. That's that that's where I spend a vast majority of my time on that thing. Yeah, you know, but that's kind of what you do with whatever you buy anyway. You know, sure, sure, you know, sure, hundred percent. If you bought a Pi Five, think about it this way: you're going to spend. They're expensive right now for sure. Oh boy, are they? That was that was the other thing that made me hit the brakes on it. Yeah, so you know, you buy a Pi Five, and either you spend the money to get the 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 download, or you get the the uh, mini disc thing that you put on whatever it's called. Oh, the Pi Five uh, you have M.2 drives on it now. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, which I was like, oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> well, the other thing too. So just real quick, and I'll this is the last thing. So I bought a controller and once i get everything set up because i'm moving studio downstairs i brought my laptop back home from work and i have a tv in my son's room that i'm going to move downstairs as the monitor and hook the laptop and then the camera will be on and you'll be able to see maybe parts of the arcade or whatever um but i bought a from Glenn's Retro Show, they put out a, from Thunderstick Studios, they put out an Akari Warriors joystick. Ooh. So I don't know if you were ever familiar with the Akari Warriors or Frontline or those types of games, but those are a special type of joystick that was built for those games. It's kind of like the 49-way joystick that was built for NFL Blitz and for um, Sinistar and a few other games out there that need that pressure-sensitive joystick. Well, this one isn't like that. It's a joystick that actually spins. So it's it's basically kind of like having a joystick and a mouse all in one, but it's specifically designed. You can use it actually as a mouse and a joystick, you know, if you wanted to on your computer, but it... Um, it comes with a four-way gate, so you can switch between a four- and eight-way gate. No, 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 sorry. You can switch between an, let's see, you can switch between, you can put different joystick heads on it that take it from an eight-way to a 16-way, eight, 16, and then like a free spinning. Hmm. Okay. So on top of it, so like if you were touching the joystick and you just, grab the top of the joystick, you can actually spin the head of the joystick. Interesting. So when you're playing Akari Warriors, the guy with the gun, that's what points the gun. And then the joystick movement itself is what moves the guy. So the like the, the base of the guy will move forward, but you can, while you're going, you can turn the, the top part of the body with the gun in the direction you need it to go so you can shoot or throw grenades. Interesting. And, you know, for 80 bucks, man, it's it's a very specialized joystick, but it's a very high quality in 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 the joystick itself. And it actually comes in a box that's a sturdy cardboard box that you can use as the uh, box or the base for the joystick. So... Like this, I, I just use the box, and it has punch-outs for the six buttons and then the special way, the, the special mode button that it has. And, you know, it's it's incredible. And then, you know, Amazon has the SNK pack that you can buy 
from Amazon Games. It's the SNK 40th Anniversary pack um, that has a bunch of games, but it also had the Accord Kari Warrior games. And every once in a while, they offer it for free for being an Amazon Prime member. Hmm. So I was able to get that and download that for free so I can play on my 49-inch monitor Akari Warriors anytime oh, I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much been my last probably six weeks, I think, since I've been on a show. Yeah, um, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a long time, unfortunately. Yeah, so... That's pretty much where where I'm at with my gaming for the time being, and um, you know, so I'm interested to hear what Chris is. That was exactly where I was gonna go. I actually have stuff to talk about of mine, so I'll save it to the end. So I'll like I I I don't know if I'm gonna carry it, but I definitely I I definitely have a few buckets to to add to the uh, to the load here. So Chris, what have you been up to lately? Played a few games of X Wing, mainly on um, on TTS. Um, that's been fine. Um, I've been going through in the Discord, um, info dumping a bunch of bots for like the last twelve months and where I think the matter is and everything. So it's been Ooh. pretty interesting, I think. Um the Empire um discussion went was pretty good. Um chatting about rebels, um people um tended to not be that interested. So I don't know whether it was because I was just right and no one disagreed. Hmm. <laughs> um but you know, wait we'll see on the internet. On the internet, I've never heard of such things actually happening. Oh, it's on our Discord, so you know, pretty, oh, that's pretty easy, uh, easygoing people. Um, yeah, I picked up Legion's Imperialis. Ooh. Uh, so I have lots of tiny space marines. I just finished designing um, recessed bases for them because I didn't like the fact that the bases were. Um, they're kind of like textured bases, uh, but it's all sculpted into like a city. And um, yeah, it just kind of felt a little bit weird. You know, what about if I don't want to fight in a city? Or yeah, like, exactly. every every space marine is on the same tactical rock. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yep. So yeah, uh, but other than that, it seemed pretty fine. Um, so yeah, they've, they've finished printing. I've got 80, 80 of them printed so far. So that should be enough. Um, I, I would think so. Yeah, so I'm gonna. I think I'm. I'm considering actually painting them on sprue for the vast majority of it, just to kind of get the um, the main colors down. But I've not. I need to actually check how much uh, of the uh, what do you call it the contrast black that I have because if I have a bunch of it, I might actually do them white on the sprue and then um, use contrast paints to do them. But if not, I'll um I'll spray them black and just dry brush up and kind of you don't have now, to do too much. What's the uh what's the thought process for painting them on the street? Just because they're so small and it's easier to paint whenever they're attached to the screw like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I don't like just ease of access to a different parts of the model, to be honest. Yeah, I could see that. Chad does that sometimes whenever he paints his models. I always find it oh, weird. I like... Remember like all of them are fully assembled or like 99 percent of them are fully assembled because it's a single like 10 millimeter figure mm -hmm. so it's not like i've got a glue arms on or anything like that right so you're just literally you're uh, but where are the contact points for the gates on the sprue so like if you have one um, so i've removed them all so anything that's not so everything only has one contact point now okay um 
you for know exactly, the exact you know exactly reason where that you, going. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, the, and where I could, the contact point is um, at the bottom. You yep. know, um, that's right. Like underneath the base, or what's yeah. going to be, it's going to get glued to the base, and you're never going to see it. Yeah. 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 I can yep. see that. Uh, but yeah, that's been uh, good. I we had a bunch of uh, Aeronautica Imperialis on clearance as well, Ooh. so I kind of picked that up. Um, I played the first edition like when it was a Forge World game. Um, so I'm in the middle of like, uh, do I get the stuff that I couldn't get like used, or how do I go about doing that? Um, so yeah, there's uh, fun times there. I'm sure I'm going to waste a bunch of money uh, of a, well, a bunch of hobby budget. Yeah, but we'll see. It's fine. Yep, that's um, works. I've been playing Space Hulk Tactics on the uh, on the computer. I picked that up because it was fairly cheap, and that's been fun. I think Gabe picked that up too, because I, I think you're—I think you saw the same sale that he did. Yeah, um, and then yeah, in the uh, the Boxing Day sale, I picked up um, Solaris and um, one of the Civ games. Oh, Solaris! I've heard that's good. Yeah. I've not tried it yet. Um, which uh, Greg said it was good, um, but to make sure you turn off Alien Attack while you're learning the get. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I have I have heard it's good. It's on my list of things. To try. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm not I'm not regretting buying it, but I'm also not sure I'm going to get value out of it. We'll see. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Out of um, what? Just Space I bought Space that and no Space Hulk. I've been playing um, Solaris. I kind of want to play it, but I also have a, a desire to go back and do the console games that I started playing. Mm, um, there you go. And um, I actually want to get painting again. You know, there's a basically all of those different things. And I want to how I want to allocate my time. I don't know that a bunch of Solaris is necessarily how I want to allocate my time. Yeah, I've got to get back see. on the I've got to get back on the painting train myself. Uh, I need to determine. I'm waiting for the points to come out. So there's going to be a points release here shortly, um, month of January for 40k, and that's what the points that will be legal for Adepticon. So I kind of yeah. want to like solidify what list I intend to take. The new Necron Codex just dropped, and I really, 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 really want to play Necrons. Yeah. It just in store. Not, I mean, I know I want to take Sisters to Adepticon. That's the plan. But Necrons, and, and, yeah. and apparently Race are really, really good. And way back in 6th edition, when those new Race models came out, and they were absurdly good, I bought 15 of them. So yeah. that they can go along with the three old metal ones that I had. So I legitimately own 18 race. And all I keep seeing on the internet recently is, oh yeah, 18 race is going to be the, the Necron meta. And I'm like, I already own 18. <laughs> They're already painted. They're right yeah. there. So I'm like, for once, it's, it's only taken four editions for them to go around <laughs> full circle. Like, oh, cool. A whole bunch of models I've got sitting. Because there are people like complaining that you can't buy them anywhere right now. Like GW sold out of them. They can't get them at their local stores. And I'm like, I've got 18 already. They're already painted. I can just pull them out of a box and put them on. Um, they're, they're, yeah. So I guess what my point is, is my plan is to go to Adepticon with Sisters, but if I pick up Necrons and really, really like them, do I take those instead? Or, like, I don't know. Like, I'm already starting to outthink myself because my thought <laughs> process is, well, Necrons will be the new hotness, which means everyone's going to be playing against them, which means people are going to forget that Sisters exist. So I really want to take Sisters. But if I want to get Sisters there, I need to paint at least two tanks 
that I don't currently have yet. So I need to go buy those two tanks, build them and paint them and get them ready. And like, that's the thought process in my head. But I do know that I need to get to the painting table and fix a couple of things just because I want my army to be WYSIWYG. So like I have two Meltagun sisters and two multi-Meltagun sisters I need to paint. Um, yeah. I snapped the arm off accidentally, but it turned out to be fortuitously off of one of my um, gun uh, Nundum suits, the, uh, the Paragon War suits. I did them all with swords and then I opened up my case and it was broken off. I'm like, cool. I wanted to put a, a I wanted to put one of the maces on them anyway, because I need at least one mace for tank shock. So I glued a new mace on it. So I did do some hobby work. I actually glued a part to a model, but now it's mm. in gray plastic on a painted model. So I need to paint that. Um, so yeah, I need, I need, I've got a little bit of paint work I need to do. And then I need to go and buy two tanks and, and build them. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I trampled on no. your story. No, it's okay. Uh, and then there is um, the Dark Angels got announced with the Deathwing Assault box. Oh so boy, does that box set I, look good. I've got a ton of um, Space Marines uh, in box just waiting to become Dark Angels. Sure do. So, um, yeah, that's going to be cool. And I, I plan on going on a bit of a purge. I need to go through and decide what I want to keep, what I want to get rid of kind of thing. Um, so I have... The Space Marines from 7th, 8th, and 9th. No, 9th, 10th. Yeah. Uh, 8, 9, 10. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> um, I've got a bunch of Space Marines, basically. You yeah, the, we'll see. You, are you, you still have the um, Death Guard from 8th? Uh, yep. Are you keeping those, by chance? I don't know. So, yeah, I need to go through. I've got a bunch of Death Guard. I've yeah. got lots and lots built up. Um, I've got the army all built and assembled, actually. For a Death Guard. Um, it's not a huge army, but yeah, I have it all. No, I know. The only reason I ask is I there are some models that are in there that are actually kind of hard to find that Gabe might be interested in. So if you do ever debate to get uh, shedding them, I'll at least mention it to him that you have them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you know. Okay. But yeah, that's about it for me. I, I've not done as much as I would have liked, but what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, so me, what have I been doing up to late, lately? I have been doing training games, uh, teaching new people how to play the game of 40K. I did one coaching game. Um, the last couple of weeks, uh, Sean, you probably you missed this. Uh, we were preparing for our day after Christmas casual tournament up at the game store, our last man standing event. Um, the brief premise behind it is everyone comes with a thousand point army. You put multiple players on one table and you it's a battle royale nobody only one person can win the table and whatever you whatever you are left with at the end of that game uh you drag it you take it over to a final table and play on that table with whatever you have left uh we had 10 people show up for that event um i mentioned to gabriel multiple multiple times i did not have any interest in winning this event um, there's something about running an event and playing in it at the same time, even especially if it's casual, but even more so if it's competitive, um, that there's, it's just, it, it, it's a bad look to say the least, like, oh, Ed yeah. ran a tournament and he won it. Um, so I was doing, my, so I, I did not want to win this event, but I got put onto it. The table I got put onto, um, we had four people on one table. New person who I've never met before, have never played with before, had decided to come up to the event. Uh, he ended up winning his table. Um, Gabe, Chad's son Logan, and Logan's friend um, Mitz was on that table. And then me, 
and Chad, of course. We, we did random draws, so it was completely me and Chad and one of our young bloods who isn't quite grasping the game or more along the lines of, I don't know, what's the easiest way to put it? Just doesn't really seem to care so much whether it wins or loses, just wants to go out and throw dice, which is fun, I get that, but often makes tactically poor decisions <laughs> when doing so. Um, simple things like, hey, I've got a unit that's designed to kill tanks and they're supposed to sit in the bank and shoot tanks, but I'm going to charge them out in front and charge them into combat. Why? I don't know. It looks cool. They, they, they... So my point being is... So I so was you, on... you won then, yeah? I won that table. I sure did. So yeah, the cool... You won the whole thing, I'm assuming. No, 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 no. I did not. So I was able to pull <laughs> off... I was able to pull off my desire and not win the whole thing, thankfully. Um... But so, so this is such a Chad's such a dirty player. Um, so we were waiting for the last two guys to show up. We knew one of the two guys that were going to show up was going to be on our table, and one was going to be on another table. So we so before this person even shows up, Chad and I kind of talk like, "Hey, what do you say? Like whoever comes on this table, you and I are going to just knock that person off the table and just be a one-on-one game between you and me." He's like, "Yeah, okay, that sounds like a good idea." Well, apparently. When I walked around to explain rules to everyone, he talked to the new player and he was like, "Hey, do me a favor. We're gonna get, we're gonna join together and kill and kill Ed." So he had two Weird. deals. Weird. Yeah. Weird how that yeah. worked out. Un, un, unexpected. 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 Yeah, unexpected. Inevitable betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> Good callback to Firefly. Thank you. Um, my point is, so turn one, I start doing my job and I start shooting the the new guy, shooting the new guy. Turn one goes by, and then Chad's like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to wait and see what happens. Chad, turn th two goes by. Chad doesn't do anything. I'm still shooting. Chad, turn three goes by. I'm still shooting. And he's finally, because he's just walking. He's on the other far table edge. So he's just walking towards me, walking towards me. And I'm just shooting and shooting. So he gets, gets to turn four. Goes the whole way around the table. Chad hasn't rolled a single die to do anything in the game and i'm getting really frustrated at this point so at some point in time chad runs to go to the restroom and i'm talking to the guy on the side like chad's literally like six inches away from the guy's deployment zone and he's not taking shots at chad and i'm like look i gotta i gotta ask like you don't have to tell me if you don't want me to but like why aren't you shooting at Chad? He's right there. His land raider is right there. You've got six melta guns that could blow it off the board. I know that Angron's on the table and you're afraid of Angron, but there's enough between the two of us. We could take that out. And he goes, oh, well, Chad and I are allies. And I went, <laughs> Chad and I are also allies. And I went, okay, I see how it is. So what Chad had done is just maneuvered himself into a position where he could hit both of us, but he couldn't hit, he could hit one of us, but not both of us. So I just said, okay, screw it. On turn five, I'm like, I'm turning every gun I have onto Chad. I blew up his land. I blew up his um, land, blew up the land raider. I blew up the, the, the defiler he had. I killed half the guys that were in the land raider and said, screw it. I'm done. I'm done. And then, Basically, what ended up happening is I crippled his army, and I'd, since I'd been shooting at Corey's army the entire game, his army was already crippled. I, I, I would have had to have like cheated to 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 have lost that. The only thing that got me, we kind of did a, a Fortnite thing where like after turn five, because the, the the rule was the games will go on as long as they have to. But I wanted to force people into the center to make them shoot at each other. So the table had just come in six inches. The storm goes out and all models that are outside the six inch thing are destroyed. So on the turn seven, that table edge went from six inches into 12 inches in. 
and I didn't measure where I had my Rhino that had 10 Battle Sisters, my Palatine, and my Dialogus in, and one of my Castigators, and it was a half an inch over, so I lost those two tanks. I didn't lose them to Chad, and I didn't lose them to Corey. I lost them to my own stupidity. But if I had measured and had just ooched them a half an inch over, I would have won that game out of a thousand point army with 600 or 960 points left on the board. So in a way it worked out because otherwise I'm taking basically a full army to the final table, um, which would have really been difficult. So long story short, uh, Mitz wins table two. He was playing Tyranids. He had an Exocrine, a Horror Spect, and two um, Hiveguard left. And then this other guy who we didn't know had three Terminators in one squad, two Terminators in another squad, and two Intercessors left. Imagine what that table would have been like with me having 960, 940 points, whatever it was, versus, I don't know, a collective 300 points total on all of them. So as we're getting ready to set up for the final table, I pull game aside and like, I don't know how I'm going to, because even at that, I had an exorcist left that had not been touched. I had a castigator left that had most of its wounds left. And I had an emulator left. And I'm like, I, I had three tanks left and none of them had anti-tank. None of them. The closest thing to it were the Terminators that had Thunderhammers and Storm Shield, but, he, but I deployed so that he was going to have to walk all the way across the board just to come and get me because nobody had any anti-tank guns. And I'm like, I don't know how to lose this game. So I devised a plan, which was, I'm going to pretend that Mitz doesn't exist. And I am just going to shoot, shoot, and shoot until I kill every last Terminator. Because, I mean, Terminators are still pretty hard to get through. Two up saves. I mean, they're, I mean, even AP1, AP2, they're still making half their save. They have invul saves. They're going to last for a pretty pretty long time. And we ended up getting into the center where I finally, finally, finally killed his last Terminator. And then Mitz's monstrous creatures were literally in my face. He flipped my tanks over and he won the game. That was the only way that I could come up with to lose that game. Now, I'm saying this in confidence. We're all friends here. Nobody tell Mitz that I lost the game on purpose. Because if I wanted to win the game, I would have turned everything I had to all of his monstrous creatures and killed them. And then just let those Terminators just walk across the board and just shoot them until I won. So I had to be the good T.O., the new good show. Like, I, I got to the final table. And if I wanted to, I could have. But I elected to ignore, ignore, ignore. And that having been said, fun was had by all. It was, Mitz is one of the people that we've brought up, like who's just, he's only been playing the game for about six months. So I'm really excited that he was excited to win, win it, win it all. He had a good time. Everybody had fun. Um, But yeah, it was really frustrated when Corey goes, oh yeah, well, Chad and I are allies. Like, son of a bitch. I I should have known. I should have known. I've never met Chad before. I know, I know, I know. I should have known. By turn two of him not firing a shot, I should one. have known. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah, at some point, well, you have to take responsibility for your own idiocy, you know? Uh, you're, I am, and I am 100%. I 100% am telling myself how stupid I was to allow that situation to happen, because it did, and to let it go. for. Because quite literally, like, we were on turn four, when other tables were on turn two, because it was me shooting, Corey walking, Chad sitting back and do nothing. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, four times, and we were we were almost we were almost to our closing of the walls, and nobody else has even gotten halfway through the game yet. I should have known better. 
I, I now do, and the next time we run this event, I 100% am going to make sure that I, I don't care what it is. I am not allying with Chad. I'm shooting him if I am on his table. So that having been said, uh, we have an open play uh, next week where I'm coaching another game. I'm not actually going to play. I was really hoping to bring te- uh, neck runs out this one, um, but our league starts up in two weeks. Uh, it's a casual league for the first for the first six weeks or eight weeks, and then we're going to switch over into two divisions. We're actually going to do um, placements. We're, I'm kind of stealing a, a, a play a play out of the old um, Premier League book where you know four or five players go into the top tier, and then everyone else is on the bottom tier, and then the top two players from the top move up to the top, and the bottom two go down to the bottom kind of thing. Um, it should be it should be fun. Well, I'm. Back and forth on how I want to implement this. One of the things I want to do next year, and this isn't a, I will do this thing, and then I don't follow through with it. This is a, I'm looking at the viability of it is implementing something on the Dice Eight website to be like a club. Um, oh, it's not MMO. Um, oh man, what's it called? ELO system. Uh, Ooh, oh, sorry, ELO. Yeah. ELO. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not it's ELO because it's someone's name. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if we should do something. I wonder if I could, I've got two weeks up. It's not that hard to do the ELO system. It really isn't. But um, I need to add some form of decay in there to encourage playing. But if uh, I, I basically, I don't know where to even start to kind of get something to put on the website there. So, I mean, if you, if you want to spearhead uh, that initiative. Um, I- that is a great idea. I'm, I let me do some research. I'm not the only showrunner as far as the league's concerned. Uh, one of them is over my shoulder at the moment. Gabriel is one of the others that's currently in charge of running the league, and so is um, Logan. But we can have a little chat in Discord after this is done and see how Logan feels about that as far as implementing who are the competitive players and who aren't. Um, because it'll be really, it would be because re- that was one of the things I was worried about was be really simple for someone who's really, really good to just go and mop because it is a pay in league and there are prizes to be had. So it would be really, so really simple for someone to manipulate it so that they're in the lower end league when league when season two starts and then mop mm. up that league. And that that is a good way to prevent that from happening. Yeah, that's a good idea, Chris. Now you've got my gears turning on that. Thank you for that. Always happy to help, you know. But as for other than that, Christmas was good. Kids had a good time. Um, something uh, my I think my youngest son by of all the gifts that were given out this year, I think my youngest son absolutely got the the, the stuff. For he he wants to he wanted to get into sim racing, and I don't know if you know much about it, but that is a really expensive hobby. I did not realize how expensive that hobby was because I'm like, oh, Gran Turismo Seven, okay, it's a seventy dollar game, no big deal. We've got a PlayStation Five, you can play on that. <laughs> That's yeah. like the least expensive part of sim racing. Exactly. Oh my god. So I have a I have a friend. Uh, she uh, she used to be uh, she used to work with us and then she moved on somewhere else. But I knew her husband or soon to be husband was into um, like i racing and, and so I asked her like okay so if I wanted to get him a starter steering wheel and pedal set where would you go because I don't want to buy him junk I want to buy him something that's you know good but I'm not willing to dump thousands of dollars into it. She's like oh we should go and get the the G29 you know Logitech makes it it's designed specifically for PlayStation and you know Xbox series it'll be great it's 300 bucks 300 dollars and then of course you can't just have it on like a, a 
rickety stand. You've got to get like one of the whole rigs where they're going. It doesn't have a chair, but it definitely has something that you can screw down the pedals so that they're not moving. You can screw down the steering wheel so it's not moving. But so oh, it, it was expensive. I, but holy no. cow, is this thing fucking cool? Like I like. So it's so it's cool enough to the point like every kid in the house is playing on this thing. And I, I stopped Gabe one night when he was done playing it. And I'm like, all right, so you got to tell me. I need to know the truth. Is it A, Gran Turismo 7 is a really, really cool race sim, <clears throat> race sim game and you enjoy it? Or B, sitting in that chair with the pedals and the steering wheel and the feedback that you get from the steering wheel makes He's like, no, it's totally steering wheel. It's totally the steering wheel that makes it feel as cool because you feel the road as you're driving. You feel because there's a motor in there, so it actually gives you pressure as you're going into turns hard. Like it makes it harder to turn the steering wheel. It's so cool. So yeah, that's like right now as I'm recording this, I guarantee. Like Jake's got, I think he told me he's got over two thousand miles driven. <laughs> like a ridiculous. He's got like twenty two hours. <laughs> on Grand Tours of Seven, it's only been a few days that he's had it, so he's he's really having a good time. Everyone's having a good time. So if I had to if I had to pick a highlight of Christmas, aside from all the other cool stuff, everyone everyone did, everyone did a good job for it, and it was a great great holiday. Um, we we decided to have this was a yeah, no one's coming over this year. Um, we're not we're 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 not going to have a bunch of folks come over and have to clean up the house and worry about the dogs. We're we're just gonna uh, stay in your pajamas Christmas, and this was a really good decision to do that. It really was. It was just us, and we had a good time and had a good holiday. So that's it. That was mine. Good. Okay, so Sean, I am going to pass the ball over to you for our main topic for tonight, which is which was addition changes. And you had some explanations, but we decided to to hold off the explanations in detail until this part of the show. So by all means, take it away, good sir. So when I'm talking about addition changes, I'm not just talking about um, going from first edition to second edition, but like revisements of games. I think uh, Mansions of Madness had one. Um, these are the examples I'm trying to give. Uh, House on the Haunted Hill, uh, Betrayal House on the Hill, that one had addition changes. You had kind of an addition, um, it was kind of like a reworking, re-addition of the game, but it kind of is still the same game, which was um, Descent was kind of one of those games. And well, then you I had. Think, I, think, I think of things like um, whenever they did the, what was it? Was it the, not the Lord of the Rings, it was the. Um... The Game of Thrones uh, game that FFG did, the the, the fire, not not the fire and ice. No, one. it's a Game of Thrones game. The, the you're talking game. about the board it, that, game. That one yeah. got a revised edition. Yeah. yeah, and and you had the same thing with uh, what the heck? What's their big game? What was Fantasy Flight's really big game? Where it was kind Net of Runner. a revit. Uh, Netrunner was one of them. Yep. Um, and then Twilight um, Imperium. Yeah, Twilight Imperium was another. Oh God! Came, yeah, oh, where you went from? You know that was like an addition. You know, first to second, second I think to the gigantic box version. Um, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. And then of course we know Warhammer. You know, mm-hmm. Warhammer editions can literally change the way the game is played. You know, when you're 100%, going from a hundred percent. X-wing kind of did that too, where you went from first to second. And then second to 2.5, which is like a whole different game. 
That's it. Ironically, I think going from first to second is more of a revision, and going from second to two point five is more of a um, addition change. Ironically, you think? Okay. Well, from from the X wing perspective, uh, I yeah, would like, um, yeah. I, well, one, I to, one, to, one to two, one to 2.0 was like a revision, like you said, where it went yeah. from went from the way that like upgrades and things like that happened to some of the th- upgrades that you would normally buy became inherent in ships and things like that. So it was kind of mm-hmm. that's that's that type of revision in the game itself changed bits and pieces, but most of that was in like ship abilities and different things like that where when you went 2 to 2.5 it literally was a new game it was star wars crisis protocol or star wars you know objective based game instead of you know what what x-wing was in the beginning of the Mm. game so that's kind of like what i'm talking about and and to, to get started off you know my big thing was the change of advanced dungeons and or dungeons and dragons to advanced dungeons and dragons <laughs> to me first, i had a feeling this is where this is going to start <laughs> first you know to what you know kind of became second edition was a big what wasn't to me a big change in the game what i think that that did is it kind of changed the world that the game was set in because when you look at first edition it was greyhawk centric greyhawk heavy yeah, and then when you got the second advance, it was well, well, more to the realms. Later on, it went to Forgotten Realms, and then second edition seemed to really pick up Forgotten Realms, and then added like Dark Sun, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, uh, Planescape was later. Um, you had uh, what was the space version of it? I can't think of it right now. Spelljammer. Spelljammer. You know, so it added more into you know into it. But then you went, and then they did a complete addition change to it when they went from second edition to third edition. And for a lot of people, third edition was, you know, probably that 3.5 was the sweet spot, you know. Yeah, I I agree. Most people. I would also make the argument when they re-released the black versions of second edition, Yeah, um, they were more like a 2.5. So the rule books, they were, it's very similar to what they did from th- uh, third edition to 3.5. What they did with second edition to 2.5 was right. that there were areas that they knew where there were gaps in the game, that there were issues in the game that they corrected in those books. It was still second edition at its core and its heart and soul that it was still second edition Dungeons and Dragons, but they made those adjustments and the corrections in those books. Can similar I... to what, similar to what they did with from 3.0 to 3.5. Right, and I think, like, with role-playing games, you see more of the differences in the games. In war games, you know, like a 40K, you see the differences in those games compared to, like, a board game, where a board game might be more of a mechanic change. You know, not a not a deep, deep change in it, but might be, um, you know, Descent went from... from First edition went from everything out of books to second edition, I believe, was when they went to the app. Am I correct on that, Chris? Uh, for Descent, yeah. Um, they did a like the same thing they did for Imperial Assault, where they did like a, a test version of the app kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
Um, and then Descent yeah. then, then went to a third edition, which is the big box. Um, so Descent's current game is actually not a new edition um, because it is um, a different game entirely. Um, Journeys into a Dark compared to... Um, it's got a different subtitle, which makes it a different game. It's pedantic, gotcha. but it's the reason they did it <laughs> like that, is that it's not a new edition. Descent um, Second Edition is still the newest edition of that version of the, of that game. Okay. There is a different game, also called Descent something something blah blah blah. But yeah, it's just pedantic. But welcome yeah. to FFG, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's you know. So basically, this topic is more of you know your history with it and what you feel about it when they do things like that when they feels like a cash grab sometimes or it feels like you know when they did uh oh, what the hell was the what was the oriental card game that fantasy flight did um, um, uh, did. legends of the five rings yeah. you know so you had a first edition of it and then they stopped it completely killed yeah. it and then they put it out again as like a whole new game well, no. I don't think FFG did the the one that died kind of thing. I think uh, was it Cipher or something like that. I don't. I think the FFG basically bought the rights to um, L Five R when they were okay. on the train of owning the IP. So like Tyranoff is obviously owned by FFG, um, and they also own Rokugan. I think it's called the okay. world from L Five R. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, you know, to me, I, and this is probably going to be a shorter topic than normal just because everybody experiences this. And my biggest thing is with the role playing. And you see it Hmm. very rarely in video games where they'll do kind of like a remake of it, you know, but most of that is like the uh, graphics upgrades and things like that. It's less. Sometimes. And then sometimes they do full-blown mechanical changes and then there are plenty of people that prefer the older version of the game to the new like there's uh, video games kind of falls into that weird category like if there's music in a game for example and they can't get the licensing so they have to put new music in so some people prefer the old one because the old music's in or or, yeah. or weird things like that gotcha so like, like like for example one of my in my journey for going through the seventh generation of gaming, one of the games I picked up for the PlayStation 3 is a little game called Lollipop Chain. So it's a weird, bizarre, uh, with a smash em up kind of game. It's hardly any tactics or skill to it kind of thing. But there's oodles of 80s music in it. And my understanding is they're about to do, they're getting ready to do a remake of that. And they've already warned ahead of time that they're not getting all the same licenses from the game. So the remake of the game even the graphic quality is going to be better is not going to be the same. The experience is going to be the same. So I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people who loved Lollipop Chainsaw that liked it the way that it was and are going to go to this new one and go, eh, I don't like it. I, I like the old one better. They changed this, they changed that. Like some people are purists and prefer the others. But I think that's kind of like to, to get to the heart of what you're saying. I think that's kind of inducive uh, to a lot of the things. So I, I, I have a couple of thoughts. I don't want to, tra- I want to let, kind of Chris going to it, but I do have a couple of thoughts that I do want to squeeze out there before I pass it or pass it over. One of which is for addition changes, especially when you're talking like role-playing games and sometimes in the tabletop and sometimes in the card game quality kind of thing, addition changes can be scary 
but they're usually good for the life of the game that you like. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in the fact that, yeah, I'm not particularly a big fan that there's a new edition of Dungeons & Dragons coming out, but the game's been around since the mid-70s, and these edition changes have kept the game alive and breathing all this time. So, I mean, do, do you end up with a change like from 3.5 to 4? Sometimes that happens. And it's not in a change that the fans of that game care for and then they go somewhere else and then wizards goes oh crap we basically spawned an entire competitor by doing this we better get our shit straight and they go back to the the old kind of ways in fifth edition um so yeah there's sometimes there are, are, are but it, it means that there's a healthy game the fact that there are 10 editions now of warhammer 40k is a good and healthy thing for the game. It means that the game is healthy. Um, I do feel that the speed at which Games Workshop does it in the kind of clockwork way that they do it every three years is a little bit price grabby. That does feel like you could stretch out an edition a couple of more years. Oh man, I hate it when my uh, my companies try and you know make money and not just. I I know I know, and it, that having been said, remembering what it was like to play Fifth Edition. <laughs> against Dark Eldar players who hadn't had a codex since 3rd edition and didn't get a real one until 6th edition came out. So yeah, I do recognize the, the, the dichotomy there of like, or you could be in that situation where you just haven't gotten an update in 8 years and your model range hasn't been updated in 8 years. Yeah, I get that. I do get that. But I feel like there's a happy medium and 3 years feels like too short of a lifespan of a of an edition for me. But I think of it this way, like when did 5th edition D&D come out? I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. It was probably what mid 2012, 2013, somewhere in that range. Probably and, in yeah, in that 10 year range probably. So the fact that we're just going to be now getting, and I know they're not calling it a new edition, but it really is kind of a new edition. It's not sixth edition, but it kind of is. Um, and it's taken 10 years to kind of get there. But they filled that up with content the whole way through kind of thing. Well, so, I mean, still doing the money grabby kind of thing, but still trying to make money, but at least the core edition stayed that way. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way that, you know, first edition was in D&D to the point when they did second edition or whatever you want to call it, you know, they went from D and D to advanced dungeons and dragons. And then that was kind of the first edition, in my opinion, out of the basic and box set, you know, basic stuff. 2014. I just looked it up. Okay. So going on 10 years. Well, it's not releasing. They accidentally released the release date of May of, 2024 i don't know if they're going to stick they might change it just to to snub people but um yeah so 10 years so for 10 years fifth edition's been around in its current form that's a good healthy run for an edition it really is yeah no i i agree with that i it's just interesting to me to try to figure out you know like at what point so so here okay here's an example of the world that i'm in so on steam zen studios has pinball fx3 so it's zen studios pinball games you know and it's licensed pinball as far as the tables and it's it's graphical um it's you know it's pretty good when you go with fx3 but then zen studios comes out with pinball fx and so for the longest time i didn't understand what the hell the difference was you know because when you went to Pinball FX3, now the 
to get into Pinball FX3, it's free, but you're then buying tables. And then you have Pinball FX, which is like a re-release of all of the same tables. And you're like, what is going on? Well, what it is, is it's an upgrade to the core system that they used. You know, they used whatever. Now they're going to, uh, uh, what's the big... What's the big video game engine that everybody uses? Unity. Unity. Yeah. So they're going to the self-implode by charging people for a download. Yeah. Immediately reverse that decision. Right. Because, you know, what sounds good on paper isn't always good in (laughs) practice. But, But that's what it was, is that Pinball FX is an upgrade. They went to Unity or whatever, or from Unity or whatever that they did to upgrade the play. Now, what they did, which is... Just like any new edition, is you have to rebuy all the tables, which is what's pissing people off. Is yep. Well, I own all the tables, you know, because you have all the twenty Marvel tables and the twenty Star Wars tables and Twilight Zone and all the stuff that they have. Now you got to rebuy it again, and then they're doing it on at games, which now you have to rebuy them again because it's not all cross-platform stuff. And oh, so wait, I, I've got questions. I've got questions when it comes to these the, these updates, because this, this may lead into a, a side discussion on this. So one of the, the benefits to playing the game, those games like that is you have those online leaderboards and stuff like that. Are they going right. to cut? I assume with this, quote unquote, addition change of these, they're going to cut off online support for those. For FX3, they will. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So that makes sense yeah. why people because there's a, there's always the old adage. Well, if you like the game that you have, you don't have to change. You can always you, there are still people out there that still play Second Edition Dungeons and Dragons. Like they, they, they I would still, love to. Yes. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, you they, both fucking liars. <laughs> oh no, Thaco oh, no. is the shit. <laughs> I love Thaco. Um, but my so my point is I could tell. So all right, all right. Ed's going to expose one of his guilty pleasures. This is going to, this is actually going to be a future episode at some point in time, so I'll, I kind of tip my hand on one of them. Um, I recently, I have no idea why this happened. I'm almost embarrassed to admit it. I've started watching wrestling again, and I haven't I've watched... I've been watching a bunch of wrestling stuff on YouTube, to be honest. I it, YouTube is what did it. I don't, it's one of those things that you came up in my YouTube feed like, oh, I remember Brett the Hitman Hart. I wonder what he's up to lately. And it just kind Pitching of like... about Goldberg ending his career. Right, exactly. So like, it, it just eventually ended up into the... I'm watching wrestling again. As a 45-year-old oh. adult, I haven't watched it since I was a kid, and I'm watching it, so... I got myself um, WWE 2K23. It literally just showed up to the house today. And then I got it to the house. I'm, I was putzing around with it. And then I'm reading. Gotta be it. honest. The best wrestling game is NWO versus um, WCW versus NWO yeah. on the N64. Yep. You're not the only person that thinks that. You're 100%. You're, there's a lot of people in your cat. But my, po- my, my point to what I was getting at is WWE just released, uh, just announced they're going to be doing WWE. 2k24 which makes sense they do yearly releases for games but the subreddit is is complaining because they're also going to cut off support because apparently whatever they're switching over to a new engine i think they're switching over to uh unreal 6 or unreal 5 whatever the most recent unreal uh unreal engine is which means that this version of 2k of wwe 2k this is the last one they're going to do on that engine and they're going to cut support off for it 
So whereas other games had like a two-year life cycle where they'd still be able to download content and somebody to play online, this one's going to have less than a year. And they didn't know that when they bought it. I didn't know it. I don't care about playing online. I really don't like... So it's probably not going to affect me all that much. It was maybe some of the downloadable content. But like I could totally see that. I could totally see people being pissed off. Like, well, wait a minute. Every other year this has been supported for two years and all of a sudden this game I literally just bought isn't going to function in four months or five months online i totally get that i could totally understand people being pissed off about that well and and it's it all depends like for me i don't care about leaderboards you know i'm not one of those people i'm not good enough yeah me neither anyway to care but like when when you look at what the difference in my example of pinball fx3 to pinball fx is the limitation of what you can do with Mm -hmm. pinball fx3 1080p that's your limit, but you're going to Unreal Engine or Unity or whatever the heck they're going to with F- Pinball FX. Now you don't limit yourself. Now you can go to 4K, you know, so it'll look good on 4K monitors, 4K TVs, 4K pinball machines when you go OTG mode, you know, like on, if you don't, you know, if you buy the 4K, you're going to buy all the Zen stuff anyway. But if you don't have to, if you already own it on Pinball FX, I can plug a computer into this new pinball machine that I bought and play all the games on the pinball machine through my computer, through OTG. But that's what FX does. And then what was funny is then they came out with, it's a, I'm probably gonna have to start up Steam, but it's like an after pinball FX after dark. So that's so, like a... <laughs> okay so let me explain it to you so uh, I, I get it man i mean you know well no no, no. pawns well, free though right well but but what it does is it's not like the porn <laughs> i know it's not like so easy it's so easy i know but it's let me think i gotta i'm actually opening up steam so i can see what it's called <laughs> pinball m is what they call mature Chris, I'm so glad I'm not the only one that was immature enough to start making the no, It's fine. I mean, anything for content. <laughs> so they, they started this pinball mature, and what's on it is... Um, well, it's the exact same game, but the ball just moves slower. <laughs> no. So so the pinball FX has, like, your Marvel, your... your it's kind of like your your fan friendly games. It's the ones that you you would let young kids play. Oh, I see. Games. I'm looking it up now. I so it's see. Like the it's Chucky, like... Yeah, it's like Chucky, the Chucky game. Duke Nukem's on there. So it's yeah. the games that a lot that of the horror, a lot of the horror stuff too, horror like the gory yeah, horror is okay. I get it the now. Thing, the thing pinball machine is on there, so that it's more selective if you don't want your kids to play it you know these are games you're not going to have your kids play you they've know got the, they've got the thing Ooh, that looks something. yeah the thing it's pretty badass what they have on this one but here's the thing it's not on pinball fx it's on a different thing now with this this isn't like fx3 to fx where you lose all your games basically when you go to pinball fx but you still have to have another system and download it. And I don't know why people are bitching about it, but there are people bitching about it. But the Pinball M, though, is kind of like a sidestep to FX. They just didn't do it in FX, probably so they could keep the licenses for Marvel and Star Wars. Probably. Stuff like that, so they delineated between the two. 
but it's it's pretty cool you know it's interesting to watch communities and like I, i'm not that deep into community stuff anymore but the gaming community i'm the arcade community i'm really really think it's funny how when they do something like this how everybody just blows up you know it, it's it's just funny and i could see it i can see it so here's my question okay because you guys do more of the console gaming and stuff where i don't but do people get up in arms every year when madden does its new oh, release oh boy do they but probably not for the same reasons that you're thinking because to me, you know, with Madden, you're buying a whole new game, basically, right? You're you're not buying you're an upgrade to, to last year's. You know, you're, you're buying. Supposed you're, to be. <laughs> but are you always? Are you? So I'll, all right. So this is going to be Ed's NFL um, rant for the day. For those of you who are not into American um, professional football, I apologize in advance. So EA is the devil. When it comes to professional football games, because what they did is they negotiated a contract with the NFL, the NFL signed off on to allow EA to be the only company that is allowed to make NFL licensed video games. And they did the old recline and decline since that contract has happened. So what they do every single year is they they'll take game modes and game concepts and things that were in five years ago, six years ago, and they'll take them out of a game so that they can just put them right back into a game five or six oh, years later. Oh, God. Um, they'll literally have been caught using assets the same year over and over and over again. So you get you get Madden 21, and then you upgrade to Madden 22, and still the Madden 21 symbols are still in the stadiums and stuff. They've gotten so lazy. It's a roster update is really what it is. Like, legitimately, you're paying $70 for a roster update. So it, it, it's, yeah, the, the Madden community gets extraordinarily pissed off at EA because what they did, they went through the whole um live service thing it's one of those things where you got the stupid like card packs and people all play the game with the players that they pull from those card packs and every one of those is a microtransaction after microtransaction after microtransaction oh, wow. that's all that ea cares about so like the if you just want to sit down and play a football game like you're you're getting the least amount of development time for just playing a football game they're focusing more towards um, the microtransactions they're focusing, so they put so the bare minimum amount of effort into producing a new game. Mm. So Madden's probably a bad example <laughs> um, well, of that one, but maybe maybe it's a great example of what you're talking about because with each new game that they release, the community just gets more and more. Like they desperately want their contract ends this year. This year is the last year that they've got that contract with the NFL. And then the following year, they have to re-up that contract. And everyone is begging the NFL to not renew that exclusivity contract with them again. They can still make another game. But what has happened is with no competition, they have declined. There's yeah. no one Before, they used to have other companies like 2K, for example. Funny that I mentioned WWE 2K. Um, there used to be a 2K series that was in direct competition with Madden. And right. year for year, beat for beat, they were trying to outproduce each other, trying to outperform each other, trying to make the best game possible. And it was an up and down thing until EA secured that contract. Mm. And it's That's all gone. All that competition's gone. So they just recline, decline, and... Re but they make... 
billions of dollars. They made fourteen billion dollars on Madden this this past year. Fourteen billion dollars, and all that none like a third of that is on game sales, and the other two thirds of it is on the microtransactions. Hmm. See, do you think that's just because people are so involved, much more involved in video games than, let's say, if you had a board game that did that? You know, let's just say Pandemic every year came out with their what? What's the Pandemic? Oh, they do. Pandemic Legacy. But well, Pandemic comes out with like different versions. Like, how many Catan expansions are there? How many Ticket to Ride boards are there? Right. Uh, Right. The difference is, like, the old thing doesn't go away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, but is that the? Would you say that the old thing doesn't go away if you still have the media? You know, for look, you know, Madden. How hard is it to get media now, though? Uh, in the world we live in now, how oh, you're you talking about like like physical media? Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't yeah, even yeah. Like, like most of the time now. Even if you get a physical disc, it isn't actually the game. It's, it's just up the download to the game. Really? Yep. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know. That. Yeah, like yeah, we're we're at a point now where these, especially in the console gaming scape, some companies do. Some companies put like a version one o of the game, but you have to do an immediate day one patch. I'm kind yeah. of okay with that because at least the game's playable out of the box if you don't have an internet connection. But some of these other games, Chris is right. Like God of War, if you bought the new God of War Ragnarok, and you actually put it into if those of that still have them a CD player on your computer, you'll find out that there's only a 12 meg file on there. That 12 meg file is just the download key and the install file so that you can pull it down from the PlayStation Store. There's no game on there. Really? It's just plastic. You bought plastic. You didn't buy a game. And even worse, they'll have games like they just, um, the company that just did Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2 is a um, survival horror, hugely anticipated. The original one's really, really good. Um, I played it on the Xbox 360, and then there's a remastered version for the PS4. Um, fantastic game. Alan Wake 2 was an extraordinarily um, highly anticipated video game that came out, only released digitally. They did not produce a physical copy of that game. There's no way to buy one. And like, is that the way that... Well, that's the way where consoles are 100% going. 100%. That's the reason why like, there are two different versions right now of the PS5 and the Xbox series. Um, PS5 has... you could I bought the one because I... Well, that's the one that I, I got given to me from work because my work's amazing um um the disc copy or the digital only copy so i saw and the xbox did the same thing there's the xbox series s which is the digital only version and then there's the X, xbox series x which is the one that actually has the physical spinning drive in it um but i saw a statistic the other day um playstation released numbers there i think it was the third quarter numbers when they were doing their their um, back in sept- or October, their third quarter numbers, 84% of their game sales were digital. 84%, which means that only 16% of their their install base right now, and they've, they've just, like, they've, they've just still ramped up. Like, they're, they're two-for-one-ing um, Xbox in their console sales. They've got, like, 50 million sales. That means 50 million consoles are out there, and of those 50 million people, 84% of them bought their games digitally. They did not buy physical copies. Physical media is going away. That's the way, because they can, that's the way they want it to go. I hate to say it because they can can release, 
well, it's a it's cheaper. There's less production cost. That's 100 percent true. Yep. But the second part of it is, oh, there's a new version of the game. Now you've got to buy it again. And guess what? You can't use the old one on the old hardware anymore. You can't do backwards compatibility on something that isn't backwards compatible anymore. You just got to keep buying it over and over again. How many times has Nintendo <laughs> asked their fan base to buy Super Mario Brothers? The original NES version, it was available for digital sales on the Wii, the 3DS, the Wii U. It's on Switch. Like, how many times have people bought the same fucking game? Yeah. That's where they want to go. That's what they want to do. See, and that's, that's kind of what what's interesting to me is how little or how much, like, cross... So... So in games that you buy on the Xbox or a game that you buy, the same game if you bought it on the Xbox and then you bought it on the PlayStation and it had like a high score system or whatever, is it cross compatible or are you? No, generally not. Like Squadrons was one of the few games that was um, playable across platforms. Like you could, if you played the PC, you could play against people on console. Um, and like, there's a few games, a few more games are doing that now, but generally, it's a terrible experience for console gamers. Mm-hmm. That's because of the the point and click of a mouse is more accurate than yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, I, there's there's that too, but there it's it's a competition. Like you've got to you've you've got to keep in mind, X Microsoft could give a living shit less about selling consoles. All they care about is their Xbox Live. So, for example, is they don't care if you bought a game for the PC. It's the one thing that Microsoft is quote unquote doing correctly. They don't care if you have an Xbox Live account and you're buying games for your PC or you're buying it for your your Xbox. Doesn't matter to them. That's all they really? care about. That's all they care about. The, like there was a report whenever they, were, they they had to disclose a whole bunch of stuff and they were trying to buy um, Blizzard Activision. Um, there's uh, disclosures that came in there where they legitimately, Microsoft's genuinely considering not releasing a console after the Xbox Series X. Like, that's the last one they're going to do because they don't care about the hardware. They don't make any money. There's no money to be made, not really, in the hardware. And if they're moving away from digital, moving to digital, digital game sales anyway, that's where the money is, is the games. Why so why, why spend the money to produce hardware you're going to lose money on I was gonna say, isn't the hardware the lost leader, basically? Usually, the Nintendo's the only one that doesn't do that. Which is ironic, it because is. they invented it. They did, they did. Yeah. But Nintendo's yeah. got their the, Nintendo's got their hardcore Nintendo fanboys that are always going to buy their consoles, that are always going to buy their games, and they're always going to live in their ecosystem. And that's cool for them. I, I don't fault them for that, but there's a reason why they're third place as far as console sales and game sales. They're also the reason why third place, why they still have the Nintendo Switch out in comparison to what the the Xbox and what the, the PlayStation 5 can do now. Like, we were just talking about this. Gran Turismo on my 4K TV upstairs, my 240 hertz uh, 4K TV up there, looks fucking amazing. The Switch can't even come close to competing with that. Can't even come close. This, com- this, this gaming, so the gaming tower that I'm talking to you on struggles to keep up with what that thing can do. What are you talking? Is that a PS5? Yeah, the PS5. <clears throat> yeah, and that's that, that. Isn't that kind of the advantage of a console over a computer, or has been in the past? Sure. Where because you can, you're building a system that's specifically for playing games. You know, where with a computer, yeah, you're building it to play games, but 
the operating system still has to be there and all the other well so if we want to go down that we're going to go down that conversation real quick it's super easy for developers to develop for a system when they know the configurations aren't going to change they know that they're always going to have the same processor they're always going to have the same graphic graphic capability they're always going to have the same of everything so when they're developing a game for a console none of those variables change when you're developing for the pc you have no idea what graphics cards people have, what processors they're gonna have. Are they an Intel person? Are they AMD? Are they running a you know? Are they an Nvidia? Are they running AMD you know graphics cards? Like there's so many different memory configurations, different memory speeds. Like there's so many different. So it is much much easier. So that's why if you're a gamer, it it depends on your experience. It depends on the types of games you want to play. I would argue that it's easier to be a console gamer because you know if I buy a game, quote-unquote, off the shelf and put it in a machine, it's going to work. Yeah, right. that's what everyone who bought Cyberpunk said. <laughs> You're right. You are correct. When some company blatantly lies <laughs> and says it's going to be capable on older hardware um, and couldn't run it, you are correct. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of that, but... PC players, for example, so Grand, uh, they just uh, they did the uh, announced trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6 recently, for example, and some of the requirements that are starting to come out. There are people like, I don't know that my current gaming setup that I built this year is going to be able to run that game. Okay. But Rockstar has already promised it will run on current gen console hardware, which means there are going to be downgrades, of course, but they are going to tune that so that it runs on a, on a PlayStation 5. Okay. Where, and which means I don't have to buy anything. Whereas if you want to play for it on PC and you build a computer four or five years ago, your computer might not run it. Mm. Yeah, compu- PC gaming has always been always always been to me is the the chase for uh, is the chase for keeping up. It's okay. all it's always been the trying to future proof your 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 rig as much as you can, knowing in advance that someday I'm gonna have to pull the motherboard out and replace it with a new processor and start from scratch and kind of start over start over again to to, to keep up. Whereas console generations, console generations last seven, eight years these days. Hmm. That's going to change, though, I think. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, does PlayStation have the ability to do what Microsoft is doing? They have their own version of it. Microsoft just is doing it better. Uh, they, They are trying. They have their own PlayStation Plus service that allows you to. So the main thing with Xbox Live that everyone really, really enjoys is they have day one, if you pay for their premium service, their top-end premium service, A, you get a bunch of games for free every month. Uh, PlayStation does the same thing. Uh, They have different tiers in which you get free games. Like every first Tuesday of a month, I get three games for free. Because I play for the low-end one. Are they always the best games? It's usually one okay game, and then two games you've never really heard of. But I I put them in my library anyway because they were free. Whereas Xbox Live, they get a much larger library of stuff for free. And because Microsoft owns all these game developers, they get day one um, digital where PlayStation doesn't do that. Okay. So they can download them on the first day. Hmm. That's interesting. It is. I don't know how we got off on that rabbit trail, but. (laughs) Well, that's. Probably but just where it was going to go. <laughs> but it's very similar. It's very, very similar to the issue that you're having with um, the pinball machine that you were talking about before. That would be the right. equivalent of people who had gone out and bought a PlayStation 4 
with the intent of playing the games that they were going to play on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 comes out and then the new version of whatever the games are going to be comes out on the PS5 and it's not supported on the old old hardware. I mean, that, that happens. It happens with every console change. Like, I can't complain that the PlayStation 3 library I have doesn't play on my PS5. Right. Wasn't built for it. Wasn't designed for it. And they're not supporting it. So it's the exact same concept of the fact of I bought a device with the intent of playing this, these games. There's a new version of the game. I want to play that too, but the device that I currently have is not capable of it. I'm going right. to have to upgrade if I want to continue to play that. Yeah, that, that's that's just what's so interesting to me about it is, you know, it's like I'm looking at the like pinball packs right now on, you know, pinball FX and stuff. And, you know, so if you if you're going to pay like I'm looking at uh, the Star Wars, it's like the <clears throat> pinball Star Wars Empire and Return of the Jedi, you know. So to purchase it, it looks like uh, for all three of them, it's eight bucks right now normally 29 bucks where it's just interesting it's interesting to see you know understand that people who had the old system now have to buy this if they want to be able to do 4k you know and and that's that's kind of what what the whole topic really stems from this but it stems from you know like owning descent and then you they come out with a new game and they discontinue the ability to play that old game anymore you know or to buy new stuff for the old game they they haven't stopped stopped you from playing it but then they stop supporting the app for that version of the game yep you know because they basically made it i mean you could still play it with the books you know it's not like you have to use the app but it's the well, that's the problem with the new version, though, isn't it? Because if they decide to do that, then you can't play it anymore. If Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, they decide you don't want to do the app anymore, you can't play it. That's true. Yeah, if they discontinue the app, yeah. Yeah, it, and that is, that's the risk, because I just got um, Return to Dark Tower. Well, that's 100%, Ooh. you know, that's a 100% app-driven game. Yeah. Mm. Um, which I will be bringing to Chicago, just so you know. Thank you. I was just going to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's too cool not to. <laughs> well, what uh, I would do is I would keep I would keep whatever device you uh, put that uh, app on and never uninstall it. Because <laughs> if something weird happens for whatever reason, like I don't know, if, I don't know if you're an Android or iOS person. I have. Not... I have both. I have a. Um... I take it back. I have an Android phone, and then I have a two tablets. I have a Mac tablet, and then I have a Microsoft tablet, and then I have a laptop and my desktop. Well, so the reason why I asked that question is I go back to what happened with uh, Battlescribe for 40K players. Um, Apple has a rule that if an app is not updated once a year, they pull it down from their store. Oh, really? It's not being supported anymore. So that's what happened with iOS users like myself. Um, there was, I don't know, there's some type, there was some type of internal conflict between the developers and the guy that actually owns the app for Battlescribe. But long story short, he let his quote-unquote license for the iOS store, uh, for the App Store, expire. And then all of a sudden, Battlescribe disappeared off the, off the Apple Store. It was gone because it hadn't been updated. Because Apple's really stringent of if there's something not being updated, it's a dead app. It's gone. 
I don't know that I don't know if Android keep is that stringent with it. But so for example, not that they would do this, not that they're going to do this, but this app that they put out to play the game, if it was on the iOS store, and three years from now they stopped updating it. A year mm-hmm. after that, it's gonna vanish, and you can now no longer play the game that you purchased on your iOS device because you can't download the app. Really? Yep. And that's why I was. That's why I'm I, like I'm joking, but I'm not really joking. Like whatever device you download that app to, don't get rid of it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah, I mean that happened with other things that I've had. The, my Anki car stuff had the same thing when Anki went out of business and Digital Dream Labs bought them. You couldn't go back and. Um, you couldn't go back and get the original app for the game, basically. Oh. Yeah. So, so, if, digital... so if, you, if you still had it downloaded to, to a device, could you still use it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the exact scenario that I'm talking about. Is that, that so, is think, so think about that for a minute. You, I, don't know what, I don't remember what you said you paid for that, that game. It's a cool idea that, that to bring Dark Tower back and to bring back a more modern version of the game. It's a great yeah. idea. But of course, it's done on a on a device, and if for whatever reason, and again, I'll have to look it up. I don't know Android well enough to know whether or not they delist stuff if for, it's not being updated or supported. But let's say, for sake of argument, that they do, there is a non-zero chance that at some point in time, if they stop supporting that application, it gets delisted from the site. In five years from now, you would decide to blow the dust off it and break it out and play it again. Like, oh, I don't have the app on my phone. I'll go download it so we can play it gone right now have cardboard and plastic and dice with no game to play with it all gone yeah and and i think that i'm sorry to depress you if it does i really am well i think that that's the kind of the end result you know of what's going on in today's world it sure is i mean and you think about it so then what that would mean in theory what that would mean is you would need to be able to keep and maintain an android or ios device that had that app on it and hope that it never dies. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And you, you, with the the racing thing, that clearly is what happened. Yeah, true. That beyond anything else is probably what. So the, uh, the, to to go full circle, to go another another lap around the track, if you will, because we've already gone full circle once. That for me is where, as a physical game collector, being an old guy that I am. That's what I am afraid of most about this digital environment that we are moving into whenever it comes to console games. So, for example, games get delisted off the PlayStation Store all the time for multitudes of reasons. Licensing agreements um, with the companies. A game that came out five years ago was created by this developer, and then the developer, after they got the game out, went out of business. So there's no company, there's no no one for Sony to negotiate with right. to relist the game. So legally, they have to pull it down from the site, which means it's entirely possible for me to buy a game today digitally from a company that three years from now doesn't exist and five years from me go, oh, I'm going to go back and play that game again. I'm just going to re-download it. Nope, it's gone. Yeah, they literally, they literally just did this. Amazon just did this with a whole bunch of pe- movies that people bought digitally off of the Amazon store that people paid money for, and then they removed them because of licensing agreements from the Amazon store. That company's going and doing their own streaming service, so they pulled all their stuff off the Amazon thing. 
So there are people out there today. This just, this just happened like a month ago. Um, there are people out there today who bought digital movies off of Amazon that no longer can watch them. Paid money for them, gone. <laughs> yeah, and I do know that that you're at the risk. Uh huh. That you that digital media, you're always going to be at risk. So physical media for the win, man. That's what I'm saying. I have a whole library of PS3 games up there that every single time, assuming I have the hardware to play it, I can plug it in and it will always play the game. <laughs> I mean, that's fine if you're an old man. Yeah, I am. But like, <laughs> what the point being, like, set taking something stupid, like League of Legends. Okay, what are you gonna do? You like playing League of Legends? It's gonna go away at some point. Uh, games right. don't you. Uh, if you get a PlayStation 5 now and the only thing on the disc is a download code, it doesn't help that you bought the physical copy. This is true. Like, you, we can be all... Like, I'm the same, Ed. I used to... Even for PC games, I, I, I've i played a lot of games. I've been be- building PCs for years and years. I'm a, I think my Steam account is only, like, 13 years old. <laughs> only. But, well, but you know what I'm saying, like because I ref- I avoided like Diablo three when that came out. Yep, you had to do it over Steam. Um, no, you didn't. They did physical copies because I made I I refused to buy it over Steam. I went and I hunted. It took me like fifteen supermarkets and game shops to find someone that had it, but I found a physical copy of it. Yep. Like. I, I was that guy, but what's the me, point? It doesn't there, give me anything. Nah. There are advantages. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be like, oh, I don't want to be all doom and gloom and the sky is always cloudy kind of kind of guy into these situations. There are some benefits yeah. from it. I 100, 100% agree. So like, for example, there are games on our Steam account that have been there for years and I can still down, they're still preserved. I can still play them. I can still download them. There's. Do I think that Valve is going anywhere anytime in the near future? Do I think that Microsoft's going anywhere in the near future or Sony's going anywhere in the near future? No. I mean, what about we... Disney, Ed? Is Disney going anywhere soon? Mm, I don't know. Do you, if because if Disney's not going anywhere soon, you should be able to watch Willow, right? <laughs> that is a really good point. <laughs> I mean, oh, that, that, is is a, good, that is a really good point. Like a produce a show produced 100% for Disney Plus didn't do well. They yanked it off. It's gone. There's no physical media for it. I've only it, seen like the first three episodes. Couldn't tell you if it's good or not. Don't know. Never will. Yep. De- it's literally dead media, and that was made this year. So, do they have a reason for yanking it off? Yeah, it, it was shit. People didn't. They wanted to get rid of it and hide their shame. I yep. don't know. Well, I don't know. There is, I don't no, believe right. there is an you're official a, statement. You're 100% right. That's the real reason. They may not have officially said hi to my shame, but that's what they did. But yeah, so that that's a great example. That's a perfectly it's a perfect example. 100% digital content made for digital download to be able to watch, yeah. created, you paid for, you paid the service to watch it, didn't do well, poof, gone. No gone. physical media whatsoever was produced for that. You can't buy a Blu-ray version of it, a 4K version. It's not in stores anywhere. It's just gone. Yep. But I mean, and that goes beyond stuff like um, Batgirl. Oh, there's an even better one. Yeah, like a finished movie that we never released because it financially it's better for them to lose the money and use than release it as a tax write-off. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Like it, it, 
it's just the world we live in now. Like you don't own anything. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to um, doom and gloom or say like your point was wrong. I'm just pointing out that that's not really an option anymore for the physical media because it doesn't exist nowadays. I agree. Yeah. Take my, take my physical media from my cold dead hands. That's that's uh, that that's my get off my lawn point right there. There I, it is, right there. I found I mean, it. A good one for me, I suppose, is I buy um, all of the Star Wars books in hardback as they come out. Mm-hmm. I don't read them. I, I get them on Audible with my subscription. But the, I'll always have the book. I don't plan right. on doing any good book burnings anytime soon. So, nope. Right. But that way, if it ever goes away from the digital media, yeah. you'll have it. And that's why I have a collection of every edition of Dungeons & Dragons behind me. I will always have those books. They will always be there. Yeah. That was part of our that was part of our dehoarding conversation. I'm just recamping on that, Sean. I'm sorry you missed that. But like, legitimately, could I buy all of these things? I I know they've reproduced them, but like, I'm always going to have those physical. If I ever ever want to go back and touch them, pick them up and touch them, they're right there. And that's why I keep mine too. You know, for the I do have digital things of stuff that I don't have. Sure. You know because. Still trying to buy the physical stuff is expensive, uh, mm-hmm. 100%. Extremely expensive. So I do have to have some stuff digital. Plus, if I have it digital too, I can print stuff off and use it. Or if we're playing over a digital system, you know, you're just cropping it out or doing whatever to put it in in yep. the thing. But yeah, it's that's the thing that's really interesting to me is how how the the digital world is changing literally everything. And I was talking to somebody the other day too. We were talking about role-playing games and AI, which is going to be interesting because people can now probably use AI to build their entire campaign world. It's not probably, it's coming. Yeah. Like legitimately, like the... The dungeon, the the word on the street from the role playing community is the the digital. Um, what's the word I want to look for? The tabletop to be able to play tabletop games online for Dungeons and Dragons. The one that's coming from D and D online. Um, they 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 have in the works an AI DM, so that <laughs> so that legitimate. Because all right, so think of it this way: <clears throat> the new CEO for uh, wizards publicly stated that monetizing the players of D was a goal for the organization not the dms because the dms are usually nine times out of ten those are the ones that go out and buy all the books those are the ones like us assholes in this show that have a full bookshelf of every book that they could just pull off there because if there's a gaming session i need to be able to pull a book off i've got it right there players right. that maybe they buy a player's handbook and that's it, because they know that their DM's going to have that book. So the sales of their physical media from Wizards of the Wizards of the Coast is usually an eighth of the actual player base. So they want to monetize those players. So how do you do it? Well, you do microtransactions. Oh, you want your you want your fighter to have the chainmail that's got the fur on it and the little crest on there that matches your family crest. You you can do that. That's a dollar. Uh, oh, you want your guy to have blonde hair, not brown hair. That's a dollar. Oh, you want your guy to have this, or or you want to have in-game abilities that allow you to do a reroll in a game. That's a dollar. 
Like, and they just AI the DM rewrite stories. I mean, it's Baldur's Gate three basically, except that you're con you're controlling one player of the four players or five players that's on the screen. You're going through the dungeon. You're doing the whole thing. It's not that hard, right? And they monetize the player base. That's coming. Yeah, and that's that's what's good. so things like roll twenty and stuff like that. Is that going to go away then? I don't think they can ever get rid of roll twenty. I really don't, um, because roll twenty is such a it's it's system agnostic. So while Dungeons and Dragons, the newer version of Dungeons and Dragons, may not necessarily fill into it, they they have independent developers that can find a way to squeeze that in. I'm sure depends on how litigious um, Wizards of the Coast is feeling that particular month. Um, but there are plenty of other ways that there will be other um, virtual VTTs. That's the word I was looking for before. The VTTs, the virtual tabletops out there that will probably still survive. Foundry still out there. That's the one that um, Free League uses for Alien RPG and all the other stuff that they've been putting out there. So there are other VTTs that will still be, probably still be out there and still survive. But what's the number one selling role-playing game by, like, a country mile? Oh, yeah. That I do know. Yeah. it's D&D &D will always be that way. Until they screw something up really bad. And they've tried. They really have tried with the whole. Yeah. But my my point is when that VTT of theirs rolls out, I'm like le legitimately people are going to flock to it. They're going right. to it because we all live in modern society. We all have jobs. We all have kids. We all like that's the easily the biggest, most difficult thing about playing on a tabletop roller game. It always will be is. Finding that time to get three to five hours or six hours or seven hours to get all your buddies to come over to house, order a pizza, order some beers, and actually physically play the table. It's so much easier to be able to just hop on a computer and log in and you're playing right away. <laughs> I mean, I don't fault them. I don't. As much as as much as I'd like to make wizards out to be the evil corporation, like I don't fault them. There's a ton of money to be made in that. There's a right. ton of money to be made. And especially, like, again, spoiler alert, we're not the target audience for these games anymore. No. We're not. We're, no, we're not. No, I, I fully get that. Totally understand that. We're, we're, we are, they want those 18 to 25-year-olds. They want, and they, that, my my son, my kid, my kid's age. The disposable income. Disposable income in digital, in a digital world. They're so, how do they talk to their friends? How do all my kids talk to their friends? Discord, how, how, right. how, social media. Like they spend more time on devices, despite my best efforts, on devices interacting with the world than they do the real world. That's why the stupid phrase "go out and touch grass" is a is a thing. It's a catchphrase right now <laughs> because it's just forcing like go outside. Like, okay, Uma. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I know. This shit what this should have been Sean is Sean that you should have been done is we're getting old and let's talk about how old we're getting. Well that's that's a future topic too. You oh know. boy, is it yeah. You know, because like okay, so here here's an interesting thing. So I'm looking at drive through RPG right now. Fantastic, fantastic site. Love them. So I am looking at I'm looking at Wizards and I'm looking at first edition. Okay. So the first time I ever got on this system and looked at D&D first edition stuff, they might have had 40 titles on it, right? Now they have 138 titles. So what is what is Wizards doing? They're smart. They're digitizing first edition stuff 
and then they're selling it. Now they're only selling it for five bucks, but that's free money. Uh, you're muted, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't hear you. Yeah. Oh, oh. How about now? Yep. Yeah, we're good. I, I, I got so animated, I unplugged my mic. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry about that. Um, well, it, what I was saying was that that's free money for Wizards. That's they didn't even do, they yeah. did none of the work. No, because you know that they have whoever's doing drive through RPG is the one digitizing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, I just think that's amazing that you know they're they're doing that. Like I couldn't have gotten half of this shit two years ago. Yeah. Well, and the upside to it for me, like, so this kind of like let's take the the last turn into turn four around the recycling rod. Part of the reasons why I like these kinds of sites is that game preservation. Right. It is the ability to be able to, if I want to go back to that, I have a way to do it. Right. So there is at least something out there that allows me to go and purchase this and play it. If I want to, it's out there. There is a, so there is, that is one of the other edges of the double edged sword. It's out there digitally. If you want it, assuming that the company's still around, assuming that the licensing's still around and assuming like, not that I'm necessarily uh, encouraging software piracy, but you do, if you bump into a system like your Anki thing, for example, that company went out of business. So if you found a website somewhere that had uh, a side loading app that you could side load into your phone and be able to play it, you you could. Yeah. And I mean, like on, on the app store, I can get the app, but it's the digital dream labs version not the Anki version, which are two different versions of the game. And I don't know if you know what that was, but that was literally, I, we talked about it years ago, but it was computerized slot car racing without slots. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I remember. I a hundred percent remember thinking those things are badass. Yeah. You know, so I did as I do, I bought heavily into it and ended up basically, I kept all the cars, but I tossed all the track because it takes up so much space because that's it it's over you know i can get the digital dream labs app but half the cars don't work on it and the system just isn't as good you know as well, that's kind of what i mean so but that's what i was saying though so like if you had a if you had if there was an anki um enthusiast website that mm-hmm. found a way to pull the app put it into a, a package file that you could sideload into any android device you could play the game again is that piracy? You can't buy it from the company that made it anymore. Right. But someone cared enough about it to preserve it so that somebody who, who did care about it could use it again. Yeah. And that, that's that's what I love. Like you said, that's what I love about drive through RPG. Yes. It, it, for me, it is a it is a repository of... drive through RPG is a repository of games preservation, in my opinion. <laughs> So here, here's a great one that I didn't even pay attention to. So first edition, 138 titles. Second edition, 420 titles now. That's okay. You know what I'm noticing on some of these first edition titles? Some of them are Just, new. What like, do you mean by new? So if you get out of the Wizards of the Coast, like you get off of their section and drive through RPG, there are people that are producing new modules. Yes. Yeah. For first edition. Right. But what I'm looking at is the pre-published stuff. You know, the stuff that was published by TSR. Sure, 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 sure. Hell, they've nope. got the white they've got the white box. Nine yeah. ten bucks. I mean they have they ha- literally have it looks like almost everything for second edition. 
And for those those of you who don't know what the white box is, it was the very, very, very first paper book that Gaiax and Arneson put out of the original rules for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, post chainmail. Post chainmail. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Post chainmail. It is probably to physically buy them now. I know Wizards just got done reprinting these. Um, so you can find that there there are cheaper ways to actually get your phys- get your hands physically on these. But the old original ones, good God, are they expensive? Oh yeah, yeah. Just to get a get to get a Greyhawk box, man. You're, I'd have to work, you know, a couple hundred hours of overtime, seemingly, to get right. it. Right. Or or you go to Drive Through RPG and spend ten bucks on it, and now you have it right. forever. Well, that's the thing I'm looking at now is just Drive Through RPG. I'm going to need to work a lot of overtime <laughs> so I can buy everything. <laughs> Yep, sorry. Now I want it all. <laughs> now I want all of it. Can I have the complete library, please? <laughs> yeah. All of it. I mean, you know, it's the same thing like with our Talosaurian games, Cyberpunk. Um, let's see. Do they have... Oh, they've got th- they've got third edition stuff on here, too. They've got every book for yeah. third edition. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Are you talking about uh, Wizards? Yeah. Yeah. They released the, they released the entire... See, again, that's smart. That is that is really smart. God, they oh have my god! This, they have all the cyberpunk books. Damn you, Chris or Sean. <laughs> my my apologies for I, I, my misdirected rage, <laughs> Chris. I apologize. Oh my god! Yep. Anyway, I I think we've talked out this topic and gone way the hell off topic. But... I don't off topic though. I don't. I think, I, I think it whole... all. I think it all goes in. Yeah, it all. It all curves back into itself. I think for for the 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 general point that you were trying to reach to, I think this is a hundred percent on topic. What it is, it's a it's a question of whether it comes into edition changes or version histories for games that we've purchased, anything like that. Like, how do we feel about the changes? Obviously, I want to be able to play the things that I paid for. Unfortunately, we're entering an era of digital only content. And that might not always be possible. Right. So, as Ed tried to say earlier, physical media is king. If you can preserve what you have, please do. Keep bookshelves of your stuff. And then for keep them for preservation. Keep Share it if you can. Share those, share those experiences that you've had with those games. Um, that goes with every dead game. I think about every dead CCG that I've ever touched or... Things like that. There are still some communities out there that still kind of preserve it. Stuff. If you still want to play it, you can. Um, no one's ever happy to find out that the game they love is changing in a way that they don't particularly care for, or worst case scenario, going away. No one's happy right. about that. Like one, like one of the things that Chris said to me, and again, rumor mill take with several grains of salt was that um, the, the thought process was that X-Wing might be getting moved eventually to a complete game. Now what might be? X-Wing. Might be Are getting you serious? Moved. I don't, again, I, I I am nowhere near with my finger on the pulse of the, uh, of the X-Wing community. Swap, someone said to me that they've been told by someone else who knows, you know what I mean? Like yeah, 18th yeah. hand yeah, so people take that talk. Look. People talking the talk, basically. Yeah, so take that with it's going to be a complete game. Gigantic grain of salt. But um, so what I was the conversation that Chris and I had, um, and this came with the the 
when it came to the hoarding, the conversation we had last week with hoarding versus collecting, what do I do? What do I do with all those stuff? I mean, I mean, I have a cabinet full of miniatures that are out here on display. I have another box, the legendary box that I started our X-Men community with in the closet over here. Do, what, what happens to those if the game is a complete game? It, what it's going to mean is each, each year that passes, it's going to be harder and harder to find. It's going to be more and more expensive because it's going to become very, very, very niche. And the handful of people that still care about it, are they going to sell it? Or are they going to keep it? You're only going to be, you're only going to find those handful of people in a couple of years. Let's just say for sake of argument that were to happen five, eight years out, out, out. I think about the game. So if we want to, the game that um, Chris Solian and, and why am I drawing a blank on Roy's last name? Yeah, was, thank you. Thank you. Apologies if Roy ever hears that. I, I, um, keeping in mind, they came from when Wizards had the the license for Star Wars. They came from the Star Wars miniatures game that they had, which was a kind of a variant of their D twenty uh, game that came with their D and D minis that were out there. Right. Were how many years X Wing came out? Does anybody I mean, care about anybody? Yeah, any, anybody well, care? Maybe. Yeah, anybody care about that game anymore? Not the X Wing game. The the Star Wars miniatures oh, game. The, before that one, yeah. That's where no. a lot of X-wing. That's where a lot of X-wing players came from, though, was Star Wars minis. Sure, because the they're following the IP, and I totally get that. Yeah, but that's that's a dead game. But I guarantee, if I go onto eBay right now to try to find Star Wars miniatures from that era, I can find them. They're going to be fucking expensive. Well, something interesting is so you have games like Android Netrunner. So there's, a, there's another good one. So it's a card game that was, I don't know if that was ever considered complete. I just think they stopped producing. That still has a community and they still make cards. You know? Yeah, that was, the, that was the argument that I gave to Chris too. Like the, um, the Star Wars CCG, whenever Decipher had it, they're mm-hmm. still, they still hold world, world championships every year, every year. Yeah. But and it, the, la- the last one was held in a pizza hut, I think. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's kind of, Kind of how X-Wing, I think, will go for a while is it'll be community-driven for a while, and there might be a world championship someplace. You know, somebody who, you know, if it was like me, you know, 2012 through 2016, that would have been something, if it would have been done back then, that I would have tried to do to keep the gaming community alive with other people probably making in. With 3D printers today, too, and STL mm-hmm. files, you know, you could create any ship you wanted to. All you have to do is be creative with AutoCAD or, or, or a 3D drawing program to be able to create new ships, you know. Yeah, and with, that's, the, with the Decipher community, the, the folks that still play that game, all they do, they just they produce PDFs. They, yeah. they do they do new releases, I swear, like three releases every year. It's been a hot minute since I've looked into them. But they do like full sets, like full eighty-eight and one hundred and forty card sets every year. Yeah. Um, they did stuff for the last one that I saw. They just did for the for Rise of Skywalker. They did a card set that fit into that. So like, yeah, you're there are a, a a dedicated dedicated handful of people that just love the game and just want to see it keep it keep it going. And, a, and good on those. Like those those are the the honored soldiers of a, of a game that's long since like. Long since dead. Long since dead. Like, you know, the plug's been pulled. They've called... All the kids have said goodbye. Like, it's it, it's gone. It's gone. Like, and, and that's the thing. What, a couple like, hundred players worldwide that still even give a shit about that game? 
I mean, I'm looking at Gamma World stuff that wasn't on here even the last time I looked, probably a year or two ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just, I'm going to go broke. <laughs> but, it's I mean, all... that's, that's the thing about it, you know. It's this digital, digital world has changed is going to change everything if it hasn't already mm-hmm. oh it already has we're like i, I hate to I, I hate to to be the one to have to tell you it already has it's already happening it's Dude, they have just... star frontiers yep i think i still have mine i have the second edition one too somewhere i never had i mean it wizard or not wizards but tsr really never went far enough with star frontiers no i, I yeah i have the one when so obviously the original TSR one, I do not have that one. But when Wizards re-released Star Frontiers, I do have that core rulebook here. Okay. Physically. So, but yeah. Um. So yeah. The, so in a, a conversation that started off with addition, addition change, it really turns into change. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And the and modern how... world and the future modern world is going to be crazy. And please, everyone, keep in mind, I do have, a, like, I, I, I'm a software developer. Like, I live in this modern world, so some of these things I do find is good and exciting and going in the right direction. And then there's this, the gaming side of me that, that grew up with physical media. And, like, when we start off with, like, even physical additional changes, obviously, I've got D&D, first edition, second edition, third, 3.5, fourth edition, fifth edition. Like, they're, they're all here. I've obviously gone through those changes, and... Some of these I liked, some of these I didn't, some of these I enjoyed, and some of them I didn't, but I feel still physically have them. Right. We're, we're moving into a world where this might not be an option anymore. This is expensive. Like, keep that in mind. Like, oh, yeah. Producing a physical media in any, in any contract, like, the fact that board games are as popular as they are today still baffles me in a world of video games. The fact that D&D got as popular as it did, and not that I'm saying that the pandemic helped, because D&D's always been a great game. It always has, always will be. Um, but that kind of helped it out whenever people were stuck inside and a lot of people playing it online. The fact that people still get around tables together to play tabletop role-playing games, the fact that 40K is still as popular as it is, people still physically go in person to go and play these games in an era where I can just pick up a controller and play online, I can click a couple of buttons and I'm playing something online on my computer. Like the fact that they're still there is amazing to me. Right. But over time, <laughs> as these young ones are coming up, that's not the era that they grew up with. That's not the, the interactions that they grew up with in their gaming. <laughs> so it's going to be us old folks carrying the torch and hopefully passing it down to at least try to keep that physical in-person kind of gaming experience going. Right. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I'm going through the Adepticon, uh, whatever they call it, the schedule. Yeah, the the I I got a five dollar rebate from them today. Really? For, it was something you... that I it was I paid five dollars to go to and a, uh, like a thing, and you didn't thing. go. It, well, not that I it, I didn't go, but apparently they didn't they didn't hold it. So for, they they must be closing out their books for the year, going, oh, this event didn't happen, and they refunded me five dollars. I was like, woohoo! Have they Good said when? Uh, have they said when registration is going to open? It's on their website. It's the first week of January, I think. Okay. If you see it, 
Let me know right away because I want to get one of the well, goodie bags. Here, I will. Yeah, I don't. So they've got the date. Cart review is live. Dates That's what I'm looking at now. Is the cart view stuff? I know. I could have sworn they said it was Jan. The first week of January, and I don't remember where I read that for signups. Okay. Anyway, while we're looking that up, we're completely way off the rails on this one. So while we're, <laughs> we we can look this stuff offline um, together, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and close this one out. This was a fantastic topic. I do feel like there's a lot more meat on this as far as things that are changing as we're getting older. And maybe some of the audience agrees with this and some of it don't. I'm really kind of curious to hear some feedback in the discord on how we did on this one. So that's a great transition on that one. Um, but before I do that, Sean, always good talking to you, my friend. Always good. good to be here. And sorry, I wasn't at the last one. That's okay. I, I think Neither. we had a missed one in there too. I think. We did, and I, I think I, that was my fault, so we, we, we can share responsibility for that one. <laughs> Chris, always good talking to you, my friend. It's always good to be here, Ed. Thank you. And as always, if you want to keep up with what's going on with the show, I would highly recommend going over to Dice8.com. That is where you're going to find the link for our Discord, the Twitter account, the Facebook page. Chris, if he ever gets back to streaming, his Twitch channel is on there, his YouTube channel, his Instagram. Uh, it still has the Twitter bird on it. By the way. I know. And, and I, I don't plan on changing it. It's fine. Nor should you. E and Elon course, will come after me. It's fine. And of course, all of the Patreon information can be found right there in a single one-stop shop at Dice8.com. Anything I missed, Chris? Uh, no, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. So as always, guys, I hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you in the next one. And until next time... Fly casual. Thanks for listening to a Lack of Focus podcast brought to you by Dice Productions. <laughs>